Welcome to another Quick Coupling Podcast. This is your host, Mark Williams. In the studio today here at QCD, we have Dan Davis, our PSM for the Sentinel product line, and Austin Prince, our value stream manager here in Golden Valley. Today, we're going to be talking about the 420 milliamp transmitter. It is an offering that Parker has decided to help meet some of the needs that aren't being met by our native sensors. And Dan's going to tell us a little bit more about it. Right. Yeah, speaking of native sensors, there's a variety of sensors that we offer, wireless sensors, but much bigger than that in the broader industry is a whole plethora of sensors that are not offered by Parker. And oftentimes those sensors are very specific in their capabilities and have very specific technologies behind them that enable them. Unfortunately, for much of industry, those sensors are often only wired solutions, which can be a problem in certain environments where it's difficult to string in wiring, and that's where the Sensonode product with its wireless capability really comes to play for industry. We can add a 4 to 20 milliamp transmitter to an existing sensor or bring in a new sensor and receive wireless measurements from it and not have the need to string wire to get that output signal in a useful condition or location. That feature is offered in a Sensonode blue transmitter as well as a Sensonode gold transmitter. With blue, we can take the Scout mobile app and have measurements made remotely off of our smartphones or tablets, which are only visualization devices. They do not require any type of network support to get the measurements. We can take the product, use the app, and see measurements and make records as well. And what types of mobile devices can we take those measurements on? The mobile devices we can use are the Apple iOS-empowered devices as well as any of the Android devices. We can take and download apps from the appropriate source, such as Google Play, or the Apple Store, and put this onto those mobile devices. Excellent. So phones, tablets, both. Absolutely. And both platforms. Great. With Scout Mobile, as we said, that's our Bluetooth product for mobile. doesn't require a network. Conversely, the Scout, the Scout Cloud and Edge are products that are reliant on a network with the Sensonode Gold sensors, but it really empowers us to do things much bigger, and that Largeness comes from the fact that we can drive and send alerts or warnings out to people when we have conditions or exceptions in measurements that cause us uh, to want to investigate. So these are alerts and alarms that provoke us to go and check out some condition or some measurement that is out of bounds by a statement we've selected. Excellent. Dan, I was kind of curious. Uh, do you have an example of how we would institute a 4 by 20 sensor and kind of what it means. Sure. That's kind of a weird little thing. 4 by 20 milliamp sensor. And let's, let's be sure clear that we're talking about the milliamp sensor. Right. The 4 to 20 milliamp is a... I'm sorry, transmitter. I'm yeah, speaking. Okay. The transmitter is a device that works with a 4 to 20 milliamp output signal from a sensor. And the 4 to 20 milliamp wiring loop is pretty much an industry standard for many reasons. The, the first of which being it's such a robust uh, wiring structure for a sensor. It can be a two or three wire sensor. Um, 
But most importantly, that 4 to 20, if we have a broken wire, our low side is always a zero measurement, so we have broken wire detection in this type of wiring structure. The 4 to 20 itself, because it's an amperage signal, it's fairly immune to electromagnetic interference, so we're okay around uh, high voltage wires and other environmental conditions that are generally tough. And it's not sensitive to long wiring runs where we might suffer from voltage drop in other types of wiring methods. So 4 to 20 has been well adopted by industry because of its great characteristics and a reliable service that it provides on those sensor output signals. And people often ask me, how does it work? Why does it work so well on this wireless transmitter? And I, I try to compare it in terms to uh, technologies and characteristics that we're familiar with in fluid power. So I compare pressure and voltage as like attributes, uh, pressure drop versus voltage drop as an example. And then I talk about volume on the uh, fluid power side and compare that to amperage on the electrical side, whereas amperage is the, the amount of electricity and voltage, of course, is the pressure or the push of electricity through a wire. And then when we come back to that resistance, that pressure drop, we don't concern ourselves with volume. That usually is not part of our conversations. And that's why this transmitter works. So I'm going to use a little example. For those of us in the know, with hose fittings and running fluids through them, we recognize as hoses get longer and longer, if we flow our pressurized liquid through, we suffer pressure drop as it goes through a length of hose. So while we might start with 100 PSI on a 100 foot of hose, after we go through that 100 foot of hose, we experience something less than 100 PSI. So it has affected our pressure. We have pressure drop. And the same effect happens with wiring. As you run a voltage signal through wire and its length, you experience voltage drop. So 100 volts through a long wire can be something less than 100 volts. If we then flip that around and we take a hose and we were to say the hose is full of water and we pour one gallon in, we would expect one gallon to come out regardless of the length of the hose. So it's insensitive to the hose length. We have no effect and that's the magic in this solution. And the same thing applies to amperage. So now if we have four milliamps traveling through a wire, regardless of its length, it will pass four milliamps across that length of wire, as well as the 20 milliamps in that measurement range. This allows us to add the transmitter in series on the output signal and pass that four through 20 milliamp signal through it without degrading the original transmission and we can now have that additional characteristic of a wireless transmission to visualize that measurement from a sensor that might not otherwise have any way to visualize the measurement other than in the control loop it's designed for. So now we've got this visual component in there, Mark, that we've never had or been able to get from sensors, and we can do it without reprogramming, which is a huge benefit. We're simply intercepting that output signal on the output wire, cutting it, letting the signal now pass to the transmitter, and now we can get a visual measurement from that signal wire and we've not asked for any support from the controls people to do any programming or recoding. A great benefit. That's a pretty cool example. Like, I feel like I've got a clear understanding now of what well, good. the function it's performing. Yeah, and 
And by the same token, so we can unlock these measurements trapped in control systems that have been out there for decades. We can access any of those today that are already installed. But moreover than that, we can now add sensors that manufacturers aren't making with a wireless capability and provide it with a wireless capability. And can you give me a little insight? You're mentioning how we can attach a bunch of different sensors to this transmitter. And I'm kind of curious from the software side of things, how that, what's my output going to look like? Because maybe I attach a, you know, a sensor type X or a sensor type Y or Z or whatnot. Sure. How, what's that look like from the software end? And do they all look the same? Do they look different? How do I distinguish what's going on there? Oh, that's, that's where we've got some great things in the Scout portion of the, the mobile apps, the cloud and the edge apps. The software engineers have created them where that 4 to 20 milliamp comes out. But, of course, most of us don't want to see that as a number, 4 milliamps, 5 milliamps, and so on. We want to see that as a rate, as a percentage, as a direct measurement. So 4, for one user, might represent zero, put, zero condition or zero rate. And the 20 might indicate a 100% rate, full rate, full speed. So we can scale that as a numerical scaled value and add a text statement to it. So it might be zero to one, zero to 100%, or maybe it's a distance. It's from 10 inches to 200 inches, or maybe it's a negative number going to a positive value from maybe minus 10 to plus 230, and it might be a temperature range. So the four to 20, the output signal, is just a statement of the measurement from the original sensor. And we can see that in the original manufacturer statement if we want, or a custom statement with some, uh, uh, again, characteristics that provides benefit to the user so they can understand immediately what they're looking at and recognize it without having to do any mental consideration or recalculation in their mind when they're looking at their data. And Dan, that sounds like it's a linear relationship? Absolutely. It's a straight, uh, straight uh, slope scaled uh, value from 4 to 20. So no curves, but straight line slope which is how the outputs normally come off 4 to 20 milliamp signals. So there should be little issue there. I'd like to get into a little bit more of the real-world examples. And I'm kind of curious what the motivation was for Parker going down the line of researching and manufacturing and eventually selling this transmitter. So can you kind of give us a little bit of the motivations? And then we kind of want to lead into with Austin on how he's deployed this transmitter for his own uses and value. Right. Well, in our world of, of manufacturing, we're doing uh, a variety of uh, machining tasks from uh, moving metal for cutting, milling, drilling, all the way to all of the plating and coating examples. And then there's all these intermediate process steps through these processes as we take raw materials, turn them into components, and from the components are assembled into a finished good. So any one of these steps in itself might have critical measurements that are necessary. Uh, it could be a distance measurement, in which case uh, high accurate, highly accurate distance measurement might be part of our quality measurement for a part. And we can include that with a wireless transmitter now. We can intercept measurements made on CNC, machine, CNC machinery that has sensors. We can intercept those measurements and see them wirelessly and do uh, essentially spot checks on parts during a run without stopping the machine. We can also intercept temperatures. Some processes such as running plastics as we mold them 
we have temperature concerns in the tool. Not so much the plastic melt, but it could be that, or it could be the tool, because that tool has to run at a very stable temperature so that, for example, when we open up the mold and drop a part out, it's sufficiently cooled off enough that it doesn't deform as it's out of the tool and cooling. And by the same token, if the tool is too cold, that part is misformed. We have a poor injection and a, a substandard quality part. But I'm going to let Austin, our value stream manager, talk about his experiences and, and the benefits that he's received in using and obtaining information from systems. Great. Austin, Austin can you tell us a little bit? All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah. So i uh, give you a little background about what we do here in uh, Golden Valley. Uh, we are more or less an incubator for uh, new product launches, uh, new product development out of the quick coupling division. Uh, so a lot of our stuff is focused around uh, couplers. Uh, we have a clean room where we wash parts in uh, uh, a class 10,000 clean room where we actually will assemble couplers uh, for, you know, different types of markets, especially like the medical market that needs parts cleaned um, and assembled in a clean environment. Uh, we have some pretty cool new technology, you know, over 300 patents uh, in our sensor technology uh, with new EAP sensors coming online. Uh, so what we've actually done is we've actually taken these Senso Gold uh, sensors and installed them all over the facility. Uh, so I have some pressure sensors on my leak testing machines. Uh, so I'm monitoring the pressure uh, feedback from my leak testers throughout the day. So as my operators are performing, uh, I have temperature sensors on my ovens for my screen printing on my sensors. Uh, so I'm actually able to see, are my ovens on? Are they working? Uh, you know, from a safety standpoint, that's pretty important uh, for us to be able to know, you know, is something happening? Do we have a clog? You know, and the cool thing about this is this is all... You know, when we talk about it being in the cloud and Sensor Gold, is it's real-time notification. So I wear my Apple Watch every morning, every day at work. I can get text messages immediately if there's something that goes wrong in one of these areas. And then I can immediately be directed to there. Uh, so really, really cool. Uh, you know, where I've really gotten the most benefit is really in our clean room. Uh, so we have, we have a few customers uh, where we do some assemblies in our clean room. So we actually... Uh, oxygen clean some parts and we run them through a uh, through a washing system uh, and uh, there's some critical things for their our parts for them to actually meet the customer specifications so one is being the actual temperature so our water uh, and cleaning solution actually has to be at a certain temperature for it to actually be effective uh, number two is the pH level uh, so if either one of these things are off too hot too cold uh, pH too low is going to cause is going to cause damage to the parts. It's not going to. It's going to cause uh, discoloration. It is going to affect the part negatively. Uh, so these are really important things. Uh, and so when we have our clean room, our clean room is kind of separated off from uh, the rest of our facility. So when we have, when we actually have to go in a clean room. We have to gown up. So we have to put our hair nets on. We have to put the gloves on, gowns on. Uh, and it's quite it a process. A, yeah. It takes a lot of time, doesn't it? Right. Uh, and, you know, so, you know, at the end of every day, I have to go in and gown up uh, and make sure everything's turned off, everything's good. Uh, and I can't tell you how many times, you know, I've sent in my operators to start working and they come out to me and say, 
we need an engineer to come look at this. The the wash is not coming on. It's not getting to temperature or it's not uh, the pH level isn't right. Uh, so what we did is we actually installed the gold sensors in our wash tanks. So now what I can see is I can actually see the temperature live of where we're at actually on our washing system. Uh, it was great because when I first started in this role uh, about nine months ago, I came in and you know, I'm directing my people where they need to go. And, you know, I get the wash turned on and I'm like, you know, I ask the guys, how long does it take the wash to warm up? Oh, it takes an hour and 15 minutes. So, you know, I pull them out, we'll do some other stuff um, and then I'll send them back in. So a few times I'll send them back in and, hey, why aren't we working yet? Oh, well, I'm waiting for the wash to come up. Well, hour and 15 minutes. Well, it's kind of funny when we got the actual gold sensors installed, what I was actually able to see is I was actually able to look at the data and the data told me that it only took 45 minutes for a washing system actually come on. So, you know, right there, I actually gained 30 minutes of production immediately from being able to manage that. Uh, and what was actually really cool is now I can actually see it. And instead of waiting till it's up to temperature, I can actually see the rate at which it's heating up so I can predict when it's going to be at that rate. So I can actually already have someone in the room ready to go. So you're able to plan labor around that. Yes. Yep, exactly. So, you know, I'm, I'm saving, I'm planning labor. Uh, and, you know, What's great, though, uh, you know, it's happened where I've sent someone in and they've told me, hey, you know, something's wrong with the wash. It didn't it's not getting up to temp. I can see that before I send an operator in there and pull them off another cell where they're, where they're working. So, you know, we're we're a, we're a job shop pretty much. and we're, Everything for us is made to order. So, you know, anytime I got it, I'm constantly moving my people around. But if I'm not in constantly working, if they're not building something in one area, you know, I'm losing time somewhere else. So. Being able to actually put them, you know, for them to go in and then to gown up and to walk in and to come just to come back out to tell me things aren't working. I've lost 15 minutes right there. Uh, so now what I can actually see is before I actually send someone in there, I can actually see everything's good. Everything's running. Uh, I can tell, um, you know, there was been a time when I looked at it and something didn't look right. We weren't I could actually see the temperatures weren't coming up as fast as they should. Uh, and then we kind of hit a plateau and never really got hotter than it really needed to be. So what I was able to do is send an actual engineer in there before I wasted time sending in an operator. Um, so we didn't lose any valuable work time on the shop floor. So, yeah, I was just kind of curious. What are you learning by knowing the pH of each one of those baths? Like what's different if it goes too high, too low or whatever range it's supposed to be? And how's that affecting your products? So, so essentially, really, our bath is acidic. So that's where we really need the pH level. Um, we need it on the high end, so it's an acidic. So if it's not, if it's if it's too low, if it's not at the right point, uh, the acid isn't. It's not eating away what it needs to in order to clean the parts. Uh, so that's what's really critical. Uh, and you know, when when you're talking about you know medical applications, you know there is no room for error. I mean, this is stuff that's going into saving people's lives. Uh, so this is, this is absolutely critical. And, you know, we do run tests, you know, um, before we run, we always stick our strips in and, you know, test the water, uh, to make sure it's good. Uh, but there is a process involved when we're not at the level it needs to be. Uh, and a lot of times this involves an engineer to get involved, to make sure that we get it up to the level it needs to be, to be able to actually wash our parts. Uh, so what this does is it saves valuable time. Uh, from my standpoint of being able to to manage 
my shop floor of where people need to go. Uh, when do I need the engineering support? Uh, so, you know, it's, it's been great. It's been really, uh, really, really cool, uh, especially in our clean room. And I might add, this is one of those great examples, Austin, where we as Parker did not have a pH sensor. Yep. So, I, but we could reach into our bag of tricks, source a pH sensor that served our unique and particular purposes for monitoring these baths, and then add that 4 to 20 milliamp transmitter we just spoke of to provide those measurements remotely for you outside of the clean room. Yeah, that's absolutely. And that's something kind of cool to be a part of this. You know, when they installed the temperature sensors, I was like, man, these are awesome. This is cool. Uh, I was like, you know, it would be really cool if I had a pH sensor, too, that could do this stuff. And, so you put in a wish list. Right, yeah, exactly. Uh so, you know, that's been, you know, that's been really cool to kind of be kind of on that trial side to kind of say, you know, these are the good things. These are the applications. This is the way I'm, I'm using them. This is the way I would use them. Uh, and, you know, I can look at it at a history of time. Uh, we, uh, you know, in, a, in another, another area where we have our pressure sensors on one of our coupler cells, on one of our assembly cells, oh, we had a, we were thinking that something was going on with our pressure stations. We were thinking something was happening. Uh, it was losing pressure. Uh, so what we were actually able to do is we went in and looked and to see, well, okay, we verified that pressure was dropping through through the the cloud. Uh, but then what we wanted to know is how long has that been happening? Well, we were able to to download data back until we to the point at which we installed the sensors. I was actually able to download that, bring it into Excel into a into a way that I could mine that data to problem solve. And what we did, we ended up finding, you know, in that situation, we did confirm that at the beginning of the day, we could see that when we're turning everything on, there's a drop in pressure. pressure drop and we could actually pressure. see it across every single one of our sensors in our facility. Uh, but we were able to conclude, you know, that it wasn't anything causing bad parts because we had pressure losses back here and we could go back and say, well, we didn't have any, we didn't have any failures at that point. So we were able to rule it out. It was really cool that we were able to have the data just right at our hands to be able to do that. And I think that's, you know, the blue gives you that information, but it's really cool, you know, from the gold aspect to be able to, to have that history, to be able to have it in the cloud and to be able to pull it out. And if I only wanted a week's worth, I could pull out a week's worth. I could look at it. Um, and so I have this stuff on, TVs in the shop floor. I can pull it up on my laptop in my office. Uh, I can pull them up on TVs. I have one right outside the clean room. Uh, so, you know, I can, I'm constantly everywhere I look, I can see a live status of where my facility is doing, uh, what's green, what's red, uh, and where we're at with everything. Um, so it's been, it's been invaluable to us. Uh, I mean, we've really, We've really, you know, decreased our downtime, um, you know, improved our quality uh, from not, you know, just knowing, actually knowing um, that our, our wash tanks are where they need to be. Uh, and that's the other thing, too, because once our wash tanks are actually up and running and the pH levels where it needs to be, we will do periodic checks. But the cool thing with the sensors is they will let us know immediately when the pH level is not correct, immediately when the temperature level is not correct. So it's not a matter of, okay, we have built-in hourly checks to make sure that we're out here. Oh, man, we just built an hour's worth of bad parts because it's been going on for an hour. We now know, put the stop on it immediately when we get an alert to say, hey, something's not, something's not right here. So that is a, a good and accurate definition of what 
we call condition monitoring. Mm -hmm. You have a condition statement while you're in process. You know when to start. You have the before, you have the during, as well as the finish when you're done. So it's conditions monitoring throughout the process so you get that consistent part-to-part -part quality, batch-to-batch, day-to-day. It sounds like you're able to direct your energy to things that require more active decision-making and attention. Absolutely. As opposed it, it, to monitoring you know, it, passive. Right, and it's kind of a peace of, you know, peace of mind as well to know that, you know, uh, that I'm not, that I can confidently send someone in there and know that we're not going to have problems or that, you know, if there is, I have data to go back to look at it um, or that just I will, I can know immediately if I need to know something. So it's been, you know, from a peace of mind standpoint, absolutely. You know, it, it allows us to just, yeah, focus, focus elsewhere. I mean, um, we've made a, you know, we've made a lot of productivity improvements and a lot of that is, you know, a lot of that is contributing to utilizing our time because, you know, when we're not, you know, when we're, when we go in there and we have issues like this and we are building parts that are bad or when we are sending people into the clean room when things aren't ready to go yet um, to only for them to come out, you know, that's all time lost. Uh, so that's money. Um, but not only is that money that we're losing, that we're paying someone, uh, but it's also we're losing product. We're losing, you know, opportunity costs where we could be building something else. There's another customer order. Um, you know, that we might have to work overtime in order to get out on time, that we don't have to do that today. So you make me think of something else, actually. You, you put a wish list in once, and you got a pH sensor out of it with the 4 by 20 mm -hmm. million transmitter. Christmas is coming up in two months. Is there is there anything new on the wish list, any new type of sensors that might hook into it, another 4 by 20 uh, I'm not sure what they have, what they have, uh, what they have going. I'm constantly giving uh, feedback on what would be good. Uh, I think, you know, for me, I think, uh, you know, the cool thing is they had the guys that actually do the interface in here. Uh, so I got to meet them and, you know, I, there's going to be talks of feedback of, you know, from my perspective of a user, direct feedback into um, the developers and being working closely with the team that they actually have someone who is experiencing this. So any issues or, you know, or um, ideas are kind of can be relate immediately to to the appropriate parties. And I, I think, you know, adjacent to all of our production games, the most important game is occurring for us. And that is that consistent quality that we can now deliver to the customer and the exceptions are mitigated. Because in the, at the end of the day, all of it comes down to supplying those good parts to that customer each and every time. And I think we're closer to that goal of perfection every day as we get better in tightening up our processes and our methods. And these are tools that enable us to do that. And in general for industry, there's many areas, much like what Austin is sharing, where if we just had visibility, we could do so much better. We want to be better, but it's about being enabled and having tools. We now have some new tools. So I think I'm hearing efficiency and quality. Indeed. So how, how do we sell that, Dan? How do we sell that? You know, uh, what are our sales opportunities with that? Yeah, our, our sales opportunities for sure are the maintenance and repair teams. Those, those people that have to care for the assets and keep them running. You know, they, they are absolutely keen to that. But alongside that, maintenance and repair teams oftentimes are 
the last ones to know. They're called to action when the process stops. But now we can mitigate that and intervene and remediate and remedy problems beforehand, as Austin was sharing. The pH is starting to drift in his example. And they can remediate that and attend to it before we're shut down with a lengthy stop. So maintenance and repair or manufacturing and process engineering can certainly appreciate the value of that so that we can keep our production processes producing instead of being in repair or downtime scenarios. And of course, plant management, where we're managing those materials and those resources on a big, broad scale, as well as schedule planning. Schedule planning is crucial and invariably with manufacturing, disruptions immediately echoes through the organization and out to the customers in the form of delayed shipments because of those unscheduled events that happen and production stops. So we improve the customer service experience as well by having schedules maintained. And of course, quality personnel can also benefit from these technologies because it aids them in their work and that they know our processes are in control. We can demonstrate that and we can produce products consistently and reliably and we can change our processes to be increasingly efficient and increasingly effective. So these things speak to maintenance, manufacturing, process engineering, plant management, and quality personnel. It's not just the operator producing parts. For sure, they enjoy the benefit and experience more success in their work, which is satisfying for all of us. But it's equally helpful not to have that unpredictable chaos. It's about eliminating and reducing chaos, unplanned downtime. Sounds like an excellent solution to many problems. It is indeed. I like to ask if anybody has any final thoughts to wrap up uh, usually. So is there anything that you guys would like to add before we uh, sign off for today? Um, I would just say uh, keep watching for our new products released into the market and uh, go SensoNode, go QCPC. And, you know, I'll, uh, I'll reach out in uh, open invitation to anyone that would love to come out to Golden Valley. You know, I'd be happy to uh, show you around and, you know, show you the sensors and products in action uh, and, you know, show you uh, kind of show you real world of, you know, how we can look at the data and what can we do with it and and different things like that. So open invitation out there. Cool. Thanks, Austin. I appreciate that. Dan, appreciate you guys coming into the studio today. Uh, I hope we didn't whine and dine you too much. I know we got to send you back out on the divisional jet and get you back to your homes for tonight. But uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us for another Quick Coupling podcast. We, as always, we encourage you to send us some comments. And if you need any additional information, we encourage you to go to parker.com slash condition monitoring. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next time on Quick Coupling Podcast.